Payback Time is a podcast about building businesses, wealth, and financial freedom. We try to uncover the challenges our guests faced, the mistakes they made, and the steps they took to achieve their goals. The overall objective is to provide you with a roadmap that leads to your own success. Sean Tepper is your host. Are you ready? It's Payback Time. Do you currently invest with an advisor? Have you ever considered switching to another advisor? If you have, keep in mind you probably won't see better returns because most advisors are investing in the same products. My next guest is a financial advisor who talks about the importance of service over returns. When you work with someone who truly understands you and your goals, you typically see much better results over the long term. In this episode, we talk about his financial practice, the services he offers, and his own personal investment strategies along with the results. Please welcome Jamie Lima. Jamie, welcome to the show. Hey, well, thanks for having me. Good to have you here. So why don't you kick us off and tell us a little bit about your background? Absolutely, Sean. I appreciate you covering up some time to let me uh, introduce myself to, to your fans here. But uh, my name is Jamie Lima. Uh, just a little bit about me personally, just in, in Sean, you and I were talking about this offline, but um, I, I grew up in uh, a tiny little state, the biggest little state in the union though, a uh, state called Rhode Island. So I'm sure mm-hmm. you have millions of users there, uh, millions of, uh, of listeners there. But <laughs> sure. I, I grew up in Rhode Island in a tiny little town there, but uh, about 25 years ago or so, I moved to California because I had had enough of shoveling snow and, and dealing with the, the crazy winters there. But um, so I moved to California about 20, 25 years ago or so, and um, pretty much just hustled. I did whatever I possibly could to stay out here and and enjoy the sunny, sunshiny weather. And, you know, I, I worked in places like, uh, you know, hotels and restaurants and so on, just to, just to be able to stay out here and not have to move back home. But I ended up, uh, had an opportunity to uh, finish my finance degree out here in, in California and ended up getting my bachelor's in finance. And around the same time, I, I had an opportunity to join a small company called Morgan Stanley, which is where mm-hmm. I, I actually cut my teeth in the financial services industry, learned a lot about financial planning and investment strategy and so on there. And then a short while after that, uh, about five or six years of my within my tenure there, I moved to a company, another small company called Fidelity Investments, which was, mm-hmm. uh, I spent about nine years at Fidelity. And and uh, so I spent the you know, first 15 year, years of my career or so in some of the big name firms. And uh, about two years ago or so, I decided I had enough of that rat race, so to speak, um, and decided to launch my own company. So I run my own uh, wealth advisory company here in San Diego, a company called Woodson Wealth Management. And uh, we are a fee-only financial planning firm uh, located just outside of San Diego. Got it. And I just want to talk about your business a little bit, and then we'll get into your personal journey with investing in a moment. So how long have you had Woodson? Uh, About two years now. Two years. Got it. And fee only. So you're charging it in assets under management fee. Is that correct? Uh, we do a little bit. Of, we do that, and we also do financial planning only engagements. So the, the a lot of the clients that we work with don't just don't have you know a lot of a lot of money saved up just yet because we we do work with a little bit younger demographic. Call it you know kind of those people that are in the thirty five to fifty five year old uh, age range. Sure, so sure. the dudes like us, right, that are just you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Balancing a lot of priorities and and in the throes of our careers and and have a lot of things going on and maybe don't have you know a million or two two million dollars in our brokerage accounts just yet so that's that's kind of the group sure, of clients sure. that we work with and and we are fee only um, so we do some financial planning only engagements with those clients but a, a, about eighty percent of the folks we work with we do manage their money as well 
Got it. Got it. Okay. Well, let's start talking about finance a little bit and and we'll get into your journey in a moment, but I want to kind of ask some questions related to you as an advisor. Mm-hmm. And and we'll we'll kick this off with crypto. So crypto's hot. A lot of people are are showing interest in it. Can you share us a little information on how do you know if it's right for you or not right for you? Yeah, absolutely. I think you have to, it's all about risk risk management. And that's the one thing that we we do with all of our clients is get a better understanding of who they are as people and what kind of volatility, so to speak, that they can stomach, you know, because our, our job as financial planners and financial advisors is to create a strategy for those folks that we're working with to help them get from point A to point B and be able to achieve the goals, you know, the hopes, dreams, wishes, and aspirations that they have for themselves and their, fa- their loved ones and their family. But we, we want to help them get there but we also want to make sure that we're balancing out the the desire to achieve those goals with um, the their ability to sleep at night. So, so the one thing I tell people all the time is like we're going to take you as far along the risk spectrum as we possibly can take you to be able to have you you know have a successful plan, keep you sleeping at night, and and trying to minimize and manage the risk within the portfolio along the way. So, if, you know, if somebody came to me asking me about mm-hmm. crypto and you know, should they invest? Is now a good time to invest? I would really say, you know, unfortunately, the answer is it depends. You know, we'd have to get a better understanding of who you are as a person. But full disclosure, we have added Bitcoin, um, an allocation to Bitcoin in our portfolios for clients, just to get them a little bit of uh, exposure there. Because I don't feel personally like it's anything that's going to go away anytime soon. Right. Right. I was talking to somebody about this the other day with crypto and with what we do is we analyze stocks at ticker, but you can't analyze crypto because there's no underlying like income statements, cash flow statement or balance sheet. Exactly. But I tell people, if you're going to get in, don't play around with the small coins that don't have institutional interest. I say, if you're going to go for something, go for something that's got a lot more interest not financial advice, of course, but look at something that's got more momentum. Like you said, Bitcoin. Bitcoin's a big player. You've got institutions, big names behind it, given it's volatile. You know, another one that's out there is Ethereum. But what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think you you stay with the, the heavy hitters in that space if you're going to invest in anything at all. Right. You know, I, 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 in, I'm, not a, I'm not an expert in this area, so I apologize mm-hmm. for throwing this number out there. But I know there are thousands of different cryptocurrency that, that are out there. People are generating this stuff and creating that, you know, in their mother's basement, so to speak, um, <laughs> yes. every, every day. So um, I, I think those are the ones you probably want to steer clear of. Uh, yes. if, if anything, you, know, you stay with the heavy hitters. There are, I'm sure your listeners are familiar with exchange traded funds and mm-hmm. those types of investments. And there's there are a laundry list of, of ETFs that are out there that you can gain exposure to in that space. And that's what we've done. We, as you know, we can't we we can't necessarily go out and buy Bitcoin for our clients. So right. we use ETFs that do that and get us that exposure. Nice. There you go. Um, what are some of the top things you need to be doing to set yourself up for financial success? In in general, I think you have to have a plan. Right. I mean, it, it, just like anything else, anything that we do in our lives, we have to have some kind of a plan in place. And maybe I'm biased because I am a financial planner and I've been a, I've been a certified financial planner for, for many years now. And, and this is I have a bias because I'm, I'm in that in the game, so to speak. But I feel like the most successful people that I've worked with over my almost 17 year career now have sat down, written down their goals, created a strategy around them and then worked with somebody to help them implement and I think that's the that's the best. Way. I mean, everybody has a coach, right? I mean, even Tiger Woods has used a coach. You know, Peyton Manning's used has a coach. Tom Brady, who, as far as I'm concerned, walks on water, right? Being from Rhode Island, I, of course. Know, what else can I say about Tom Brady? But um, 
you know, I, th I think even people like that have coaches in their lives and they know that when they set out to achieve a goal that they have for themselves, they know that the steps they're going to have to take to get there and they work towards that. And that's that's what a financial plan and, and financial stra the strategies that we put in place for our clients, that's what they're aimed to do. That's awesome. Sounds like a really easy, low barrier to entry to get working with you, at least get get uh, a little bit of understanding about the market and your options as um, a new investor, especially. Absolutely. And that's that's why we work, we work with a younger group of clients now. Sure. I, when I launched the company, my vision for this really was, I want to work with people that are going to be snubbed maybe by other firms because they don't have enough money to, you know, in their, in their brokerage account and mm -hmm. not willing to pay the exorbitant fees and so on. I want to work with people earlier in their careers and earlier in their lives, because our mandate is we want to grow with them, not from yes. them. So right. if we can, if we can do that and work with some really cool people along the way and, and make an impact in people's lives, I, you know, me personally, and this is just, yeah, this is just me personally. I, I feel like it's a, what we do is a, it's a noble job. And if I can make an impact in, in people's lives that way, then, you know, it's, it's, I'll have a successful career or a successful life and be able, that I'll be able to look back on. Sure. Uh, I'm going to ask, it, it's somewhat of a curveball question, but I know you can handle this. Um, I hear about people who they kind of, they jump ship from advisor or firm to firm all the time. And my thoughts there are, there's a lot of the same products at all these firms. The ETFs can be allocated with the same stocks and same bonds. So at the end of the day, it's not necessarily the products or the investments or even the returns you're, you're leaving because those will be relatively the same. It's really the person. You know, would you agree with that or disagree with that statement? thousand percent. thousand percent. This is a relationship business we are in. in right. That's all that we do. And that's why... I don't know how much you want to know about this, but you can certainly cut it out if it's not important. Please, but, please go. Uh, here's exactly why I, I do what I do at this point of my career. When I was at Fidelity Investments, I had to work with 450 clients, 450, a little over $1.2 billion in assets that I have responsibility and oversight over. I wasn't managing the day-to-day -day because our professionals at Fidelity do that, but it was still my responsibility. Unfortunately, the only thing that really got me at, at Fidelity, and, and you can cut this part out if you like, but it, my branch manager, it, all it really got me was my branch manager coming in three times a day asking me how many more phone calls I could make. Right. So, so I decided, okay, that's that's a little bit weird, right? But what 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 the other aspect of it is is that we really couldn't. You can't build strong, solid relationships with four hundred and fifty people right. when you're constantly churning them and burning them. Yep. And as a certified financial planner, we have we are held to a higher standard, a fiduciary standard. And I really felt like, okay, like if I don't know what Sean really wants to do, you know, for what his goals are, what his objectives are, right. never mind what his, you know, his spouse's name or his loved one's names are, and so on and so forth, how can I give him the advice that he deserves? And that's that's was the main impetus for me launching the company. So here, you know, and it's, it's you know, we just I have a very small company at this stage of the game because we're still, but we're still growing. But I'll only work with seventy-five families. Much higher touch, you know, much much better service. I mean, yes, you, you have access to my cell phone if you're a client, right? You can call me, you can text me if something comes up. I couldn't give four hundred fifty people my my cell phone. No. So what we're trying to do here is, like you like you mentioned, is build out much stronger relationships and get to know our clients at a much deeper level. And I think that's going back to your your question is why people jump ship. From, from yeah. firm to firm is because they have this expectation of, well, my, my guy or my gal over there is going to know, know what my wishes are. And they, they can barely remember your name. <laughs> exactly. And now then, and you're, you're probably not getting the attention you deserve and you have to call an 800 number yeah. and sit on the hold for 45 minutes to get service. That's why I think smaller organizations like ours, 
you know, are going to be the, the wave of the future. Thanks for providing that context, because I am familiar with a lot of the bigger brands like you've worked for and in bigger firms, it's a pressure cooker and, and they've got to get in a volume of people in that business. You can't build those relationships. You, you can't focus on customer service and they're essentially just throwing you in very similar products. From my perspective, everybody's really getting the same product, take it or leave it. These are the returns. It's tough. It's not the, not ideal service from my perspective. You're absolutely right. I mean, you're, you think about it from the perspective of, and I don't want to keep throwing Fidelity under the bus, so you can bleep it out if you like to or, or clear <laughs> out, but um, however you want to edit it out. But you know, the reality is, is that everybody in that pl- on that platform, and same thing with Morgan Stanley or any of these other firms, TD Ameritrade, Schwab, what have you, they're all playing in the same sandbox. So if Sean comes to me at Schwab, you're going to have a managed money you know, strategy, right? You're going to have some annuities. There are going to be some ETFs and mutual funds and that type of thing. Well, same thing at Fidelity, same thing at TD Ameritrade and so on. They're all kind of, I don't even know how to, they're, they're just almost six of one, half a dozen of another effectively. Right, right. Yeah, no, that, that's really good to hear it from your perspective. It really comes down to the person, the customer service you're getting. And that's where, if if I were looking for an advisor, I, that's where I would go. Absolutely. Let's, I'm going to briefly talk about how do you deal with, people who want to jump ship because another firm is marketing or saying they can have higher returns. You know, like I hear some firms, they'll say, well, you work with us, you're going to get these kind of returns and it'll be like a percent or two higher than what you're currently getting. How do you deal with that? I think you have to look at it from a couple of different perspectives. One, the, you have to really challenge that person and get an understanding of, okay, well, how are they getting those returns? What types of investments are they going to make? And what kind of or how far along that risk spectrum that I mentioned earlier, are they taking you to get you those level of returns? Because you have to understand that just like we're seeing today with what the markets are happening, we all benefit when the markets are up, right? Everybody that I've talked to over the course of the last 10 years, I shouldn't say everybody, but a good majority of the people that I talk to, you know, they, they're like, well, you know, why would I want to, you know, need an advisor? Why would I want somebody managing my own portfolio? I've you know, I had, you know, 10%, 20% returns over the court, uh, over these, over the X number of years. It's like, well, that's because everybody right now is working with investment beer muscles. Everybody's making money. It's days like today, which you know, we're, we're recording this on the day when the markets are down substantially because of what's happening with Ukraine and Russia. You know, it's days like today that portfolio managers like ourselves earn our keep. And you know, you have to. So, so yes, they there may be you know being able to promise, or hopefully they're not promising, but right. maybe promising excess returns. You have to understand, okay, that's that's great and everything, but what is the downside? And you have to understand the term we use in our industry is this range of outcomes with your portfolio. You have to understand what you what you can stomach to the downside and what your what your upside is and what you can stomach to the downside. And if you're okay with the potential range of outcomes that should you experience, then I think you you should probably just stay the course. And I think the other aspect of that, the the second component of moving to other firms is, you know, I, I would go back to the client and ask, okay, well, let's, what is, what was, what's first, what's missing, right? And, and go back to the financial plan that we have in place and ask them what differs from what this other firm is promising them. Because, you know, if you truly go through a financial planning process, which is a series of steps, and you have a written, memorialized, formalized document that is as your financial plan, you should account for, you don't, most of the clients that we work with don't have to stretch for returns. They can be okay getting, you know, modest returns in their portfolio because we're diversifying their portfolio to the nth degree and managing the, the risk within the portfolio. 
but helping them get to make sure they the plan says that they're going to have a successful plan. Sure. That hopefully that makes sense. Absolutely agree. And, and thanks for providing context on that. It's almost like one of those situations where somebody says, well, this firm over here says they can do this percent. It's like, now it's time to unpack. What do you really want? Are you looking for the returns? Are you looking for somebody that's going to help mitigate risk or your downside? Or do you want somebody that's going to be planning for your kids' futures or your early retirement and stuff like that? So let's unpack this, my friend. Like, where, right? What are all the things you really want? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. I can expound on that a little bit too, where you're absolutely right. Chasing returns is the biggest mistake investors can make. Chasing returns is an absolute death knell. So, what I usually say is like, when we're building these plans for clients, we're looking at what the the return the returns that are needed within their portfolio to help them achieve the goals and objectives that they have. And that could be 4%, it could be 6%, it could be 10%, whatever it is. And that's what we're aiming for. We're not aiming, it's like, I would allude to, you know, like if you're, you leave your house and you know, you have to go from point A to point B and you can get, you can put your seatbelt on, you can drive 55 miles an hour getting there, you can drive in the slow lane, you're going to get there right on time. Versus I'm going to throw the seatbelt off. I'm going to roll the windows down, stick my head out the window and drive 75 miles an hour, 80 miles an hour, zigzagging in, you know, and changing lanes. And I get there three minutes early. Right. Why would you take on that level of risk? Because in, in knowing that you can get from point A to point B safely with a set, uh, a benchmark or a hurdle rate that you have to achieve, that's right. probably a lot lower than, you know, what other advisors are promising. And, and just to dovetail on that is the, the safer route is pretty much the same result as the high risk, right? Exactly. Right. Exactly. Like all this wasted effort for practically nothing. Absolutely. If you look at model portfolios that are out there and everybody has studies that are done on them, right? You can look at uh, Callen that has done a lot of really good research on different types of portfolios and models and so on. And sure. companies like Vanguard are out there. And you can see that efficient frontier, we call it the efficient frontier, where you start getting, you start adding more risk to your portfolio. It's the law of diminishing returns. You're not getting, if you add 20% more stock to your portfolios, you're not getting 20% more growth. When you have a diversified portfolio, you're getting like 2% more growth. Right. Right. So yes, you have to th- you have to think through that and, and uh, really understand where the where the growth in your portfolio comes, and it really comes from just getting the asset allocation right, the mix between stocks, bonds, and cash that you have. Yeah. What I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about a fundamental kind of financial strategy, which is understanding your employer's benefits. A lot of people when they they go job hunting or they're looking to switch there. There's a focus there primarily. I could be wrong in this. A lot of people are looking for the salary. They're probably also looking for culture, maybe a stimulating job, but there's a lot of other underlying benefits they need to pay attention to. This is an area of expertise. Um, I, I did some homework on you offline. I'd like you to talk about this a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anything in particular you want me to touch upon? Um, 401k, Roth, IRA, I think you could dive into those a little bit. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I think I think right now the biggest what I'm see, what I'm seeing, and I work with a lot of people that are really new to workplace benefits and trying to understand um, how to maximize them. The the very first thing I'd be looking at is, you know, does your 401k plan have a Roth option? Because so many when when you join, you know, XYZ company. And you sign up for their 401k, or maybe they're even they default you into a plan after a certain number of days, maybe 90 days, maybe a year worth of work there. The default options that are available to you are not always the best. And what the first thing you want to do is when you're contributing to your 401 within your 401k, you want to at least get the maximum company match. So is that 2%, 3%, whatever it is, find out what that is first. 
and contribute at least up to that amount. So you're benefiting from basically free money from the company. Yep. The second thing I would be doing is looking at the, and I just mentioned this, is the Roth option. If you have an opportunity to put money into a Roth 401k, I would be leveraging that as much as I possibly can. Because a lot of, probably a lot of your listeners and certainly a lot of people that we work with, they, they either, whether they're single and they, they make a certain income level, they can't contribute to a Roth individual retirement account on their own outside of the plan. And if they're married, you know, the dual income families, a lot of times you, they can't contribute as well. So being able to put money into at least the Roth 401k at work is a huge benefit. Now, don't get me wrong. You're not going to see the tax benefits today. Those tax benefits are going to happen 20, 30 years into the future when you take the money out tax-free later. But I don't know about you, Sean, but raise your hand if you think taxes are going down. <laughs> so, right. so, so whatever you can do, and, and we don't know where they're going to be. They may be exactly where they are today, but we're in pretty, if you look historically speaking, we're in very low uh, like tax brackets, like tax rates, right? So that's where we're dealing with, even though we all complain about it because we're all getting hurt by taxes. But you know, historically speaking, they're they're relatively low. We just created three trillion dollars worth of stimulus with because of coronavirus, and who knows how much what's going to happen here with Ukraine and Russia, and if we go into another you know, short lived recession or what have you, and and we create more stimulus to get ourselves out of it. Who's going to pay for that? That's going to be us. And, and this is not a political discussion because I don't really care which side of the aisle you're on or what have you. But the reality is, is that we're, somebody's going to have to pay for it and it's going to be done through taxes. So giving yourself more tax levers to pull in retirement, meaning you have some money in your brokerage account, which you can go access and maybe pay some capital gains you know, taxes on that. You have your traditional 401k and your traditional individual retirement accounts that are out there. And um, you're paying some taxes on distributions there, but you have the Roth that where ta- distributions come out tax-free. It's a huge benefit. You can you can you can manage your taxes much better in retirement by having more options. Um, does that help as far as the four hundred one k? Totally. Yeah, and that's that's great to hear. And and I actually don't hear too many employers offering the Roth version of a four hundred one k, where you can pay your taxes today and then you're tax-free when you you know cash out your account later on. Um, but that is a pretty cool option. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's. Um, I wouldn't say it's. Um, it is increasingly popular. Increasingly popular. Yeah. So I'm, I'm coming across more plans now that have that option than I did even just a few years ago. And I think leveraging other aspects like like health savings accounts and things of that nature in the 401k in the uh, retirement. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the workplace benefits, so to speak, um, in that realm. I think I think that health savings accounts are amazing benefits because one of our largest expenses in retirement that all of us are going to face is probably going to be medical cost. So, and you're able to sock away a lot more, you know, more money there above and beyond what you can do when you're in with your 401k contributions. And being able to take that money out and pay for medical tax free to pay for medical expenses is a huge benefit. And if you don't need it, you just use it for retirement costs. Right on. Let's take a quick commercial break. Have you ever lost money in the stock markets? Maybe you heard or saw comments on YouTube, TikTok, Reddit, or another social platform. Or maybe you just received bad advice from a friend. Yeah, I think we've all been there. Most people lose money in the stock market because they make decisions based on emotions. What if you could remove emotions from investing? What if you could make consistent returns in the stock market based solely on logic? And what if there's a software that handled that logic for you? Introducing Ticker, a platform that helps you manage your own investments with confidence. Get started today with a free trial. Visit ticker.com. That's T-Y-K-R.com. Again, ticker.com. 
Um, I did notice you offer a service on your site, uh, estate planning. Could you talk about that a little bit? Sure. That's one that it's an area of financial planning. And I think one, you know, an area maybe a lot of your listeners uh, have maybe missed in their own financial plan is, is estate planning. It's, it's a passion of mine. Uh, maybe I should have been an estate planning attorney, but um, I, I didn't do very well in business law in school. So I, I probably, I'm probably safe where <laughs> I am, but um, I think estate planning is, a, is an incredibly important cog of the financial puzzle or piece of the puzzle, because it's not just about what happens to you after you pass away or, or trying to avoid estate tax. You know, that's, that's good estate planning was done years and years ago when the estate tax thresholds were much lower, where, you know, if you had three, four, five hundred thousand dollars in assets and you passed away, some of that was going to be exposed to estate tax. Yeah. Now, the 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 um, combined exemption is like eleven and a half, eleven eleven point six million dollars. So a lot of people out there are going to fall well below that right. and, and not subject to estate tax. So it's not really about, you know, trying to avoid estate tax. It's about making sure that if something happens to you and, and you know, like in my family, we have, I have full, we have, my wife and I have five kids between the two of us. And if something happens to me, I want to make sure those kids are taken care of, you know, and if I happen to pass away and, you know, they can benefit from the work that I've done and, and go to be able to go to college and so on and so forth. But it's also about, you know, if, if I'm laid up in the hospital because something's happened to me, some, you know, my wife can come in and step in and, and take care of things like, you know, our business costs and paying our bills for the business and, and continuing to manage the finances and so on. And, you know, for those people that are out there that are, that aren't married and don't have a significant other that can speak on their behalf in the, in, in mm-hmm. if something tragic were to happen, estate planning is incredibly important, especially if, right. you know, even the younger crowd where you're 19, 20 years old and in your last year or two of college, something happens to you on a Saturday night at the frat house. Mom and dad can't come in and necessarily tell the, the hospital what to do, you know, keep you on life support or make medical decisions for you and so on. And that's where good estate planning comes into play and a lot of people miss it. So that's something we work with all of our clients on and walk them through that process, even just to set up a simple estate plan, you know, so they can, if something happens to them, their stuff gets to, you know, the, the people and maybe charities or what have you that they want it to go to their financial needs are met if through like financial power of attorney documents that we can put into place sure. and their medical needs are met as well. If, um, if something tragic were to happen to them, or even if they were just laid up in the hospital and, and need somebody to, to make medical decisions for them. Sure. With the estate planning process, do you kind of leverage like a strategic partner, like a law firm to kind of sign the documentation? In other words, you put together the plan. So you do the heavy lifting up front and then you partner with that law firm. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we, um, uh, can I, would you like me to say the name? I, you don't have to. Okay. Uh, so there's, there is a company that we work with that we partner with that, that, um, it's a neutral third party. We don't, we don't, don't create any documents ourselves, what have you. But when our clients come to us to, we can share screen together. We can walk through the website together. I'm there to hold their hand and answer any questions that they have. A lot of the terminology can get a little bit, make things a little bit, you know, a little bit fuzzy sometimes. So I'm there to like help, you know, translate, so to speak, what some of these documents means, what some of the terminology means. And then at the end, they hand over their credit, you know, put their credit card information in through the website and, you know, they process everything there and um, nice. They'll create the documents for them, package them up, send them off to them. And then the, all the client has to do is, is sign off on those documents. And it's, it's actually incredibly inexpensive, believe it or not. Yeah. Interesting. No, I, I know how critical that is. And a lot of people overlook that. They don't think about it. It, it can be a grim thought like, hey, if I were to die, what's going to happen to all of our assets? And and you want to you know make life a little easier for them. 
Absolutely. The one thing I will say that would be helpful for your listeners, I think, is a lot of maybe a lot of your listeners, especially if they are DI, you know, do-yourself investors, yes. um, they probably in some former fashion have received maybe company stock, things of that nature. And, you know, the employee stock plan at work or company stock through like RSUs and incentive stock options and so on. What I've seen happen a lot is that these companies will set up these accounts for these the employee at a brokerage firm, pick your pick your brokerage firm. And sure. it's solely in the name of that employee, even though that employee is married, you know, or has a, you know, a, a, another loved one that they want to make sure they give these assets to. And I've seen two, three, $4 million accounts with a single name, no beneficiaries on them. Ouch. So just food for thought, something that I would be checking if, I, you know, any of your listeners have, uh, have those types of accounts out there, make sure they have beneficiaries on those accounts. I've, I've heard of scenarios where business partners, like somebody passes and there's no documentation in place that the assets or the shares are transferred over to the right. other partner. And, and, and that can be really messy. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. No, this is really, really good context in your services here. What I'd like to do is make a little transition to you personally. Sure. Uh, you're an investor. I would like to know some of the personal challenges you face. Can you share with the audience? I think the biggest personal challenge is just for me, just as a, as a human is in, in my own investments is, is trying to avoid the emotional aspect of investing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's much easier. It's, it's very easy to tell my clients, Hey, listen, we have a financial plan in place. Let's stay the course. You know, what's going, what we've accounted for what's happening in, in the markets, even, even on days like today, we've accounted for that. We stress tested your portfolio. We've made sure that you're going to have a successful plan. Sure. Now, now's the time when we need to buy, 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 because you know, there's a lot that's out there that's on sale and trying to, you know, train my mm-hmm. brain to do that for myself is my biggest personal challenge. And, you know, that's why, so with the, the portfolios that we build for clients, you know, my wife and I have a kind of a play account that we do our, our, you know, just, you know, buy some stocks and what have you, and just do some playing around there. But for sure. our long, long-term monies, the money that we have, that's going to, you know, keep us from sleeping on one of my five kids' couches at the age of 85, that we have asset allocation model, plain vanilla boring, diversified to the nth degree, and it's automatically rebalancing, you know, through the software that we use to, to manage our client portfolios. And I kind of just set it and forget it just to help me personally get over that, that challenge. Sure. Are you investing in like ETFs, index funds, mutual funds? ETFs. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, what about pers- uh, in I know no financial advice here. Can you share with us any individual stocks you're bullish on? Absolutely. Um, so my wife is actually she'll see she'll see something. She's like, yeah, what do you think about this or what do you think about that? Sure. Yeah. She's, she's she's a nurse by trade. She's been doing it for twenty years. So at the end of the day, she doesn't really know anything about stocks and bonds, and she'll admit that herself. But you know, she'll see something. So um, you know, we we do own Tesla. You know, we do we do own Tesla. Sure. We we own we own some Amazon our, ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. She we actually run a bed and breakfast through Airbnb as okay. a kind of side gig that we have. So yep. she's big on Airbnb. We did buy Airbnb. Nice. The the biggest mistake I made over the course of the last couple of years was buying Clorox. We, we thought <laughs> we thought we thought we were gonna we were gonna nail that one because of what was going on with the pandemic. COVID. And and bought a bunch of Clorox, and then it turned out to just be a sinking ship for, a dud yes sinking ship for the year that we held it or what have you but um you know we harvested some losses there and they helped us with our taxes but um you know so so every investment's a good one 
regardless the glass of the stretch. Is, coach, the glass is always half full. <laughs> Gonna stay positive, Sean. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so those are uh, off the top of my head. The couple that we. That, that, that's funny. I remember, uh, you know, that was two years ago. About this time is when COVID was really uh, starting to. There were a lot of discussions. People were like, oh, this is it. Clorox is your stock, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Uh, well, when you go, when you can't go, when you can't go anywhere and get, you know, disinfectant or toilet paper, right. or what have you, exactly. You might yeah. as well, might as well stock up on it. And we did. Can you share with us, what are your average returns over the last few years? Yeah. Uh, I mean, honestly, to answer that question, I, I hate to give you this default answer, but every client portfolio that we manage is different. Mm-hmm. I was, client, I was referring yeah. to your personal. Oh, my own portfolio? My personal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I we we actually had a pretty good couple of years. We're well over 20%, I think 22, 24%, somewhere in that range. Excellent. I can get, I can get the exact number, but the last last couple of years personally, you know, it, it was it's been pretty good. We um my wife thinks my wife, you know, thinks I'm a hero, but it's really just a again function of the market. So <laughs> no no investing sure, sure. Beer, no investing beer muscles over here. I just I, I know how it works. But um Tesla, Tesla I think we're up 150, yeah. 200% somewhere in that range. And that yes. Yeah. yeah. No, that's really good to hear. Cause I've talked to other advisors on the show and they've actually been negative or well below the market in the last few years. It's like, how could that happen? I mean, yeah. we've been on this run for a while. I think as you know, maybe that just comes from a lot of maybe letting the emotion come into play. Right. You're true. Yep. I know people that will build this awesome portfolio and then six hours later, it's not so awesome. And then they, and they get out of it. it like right. You can't, you can't do that. You know, if we, if that's the one thing I think that, you know, my wife and I do really well together is if we're going to buy something, we're going to stick with it. And it's not going to be just something that we're going to get rid of in, in, you know, six weeks or something we buy for the long haul. And that's, that's it. That's what, you know, Tough to do when you know you saw a Tesla at like twelve hundred or whatever it is now it's like seven hundred and change. But um, I can't imagine a company like that is going to stop growing. You know what? Let's let's talk about that a little bit. As of the recording of this podcast, it's it's February twenty fourth. The last three months, the Nasdaq has just been hammered. Absolutely. Right? I've had several stocks pretty much cut in half, <laughs> and it's one of those deals where. Yeah, it tests your emotions a little bit. But as you said, like Tesla, I don't own Tesla, but um, I have a very focused portfolio, strong conviction on every business that I'm like, none of these are going out of business. They will all continue to grow. Hold the line is kind of my philosophy. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that's the, that's the way to go about it and, and try not to get emotions involved. And like I, like I mentioned earlier, you kind of, we, the, the concept that we use, my wife and I personally is what we call a core satellite approach. And so we have the core holdings again, and I would encourage all of your listeners to, to do this for themselves is have your core asset allocation. That's, you know, you have some bonds, you have some stocks, you have some international emerging markets, sure. you know, boring, like snooze fest type of stuff. And you, that's, you know, the 80% or 70% or whatever it is you're going to need to fund your retirement and go play. You can go play with the rest. That's okay. That's where we, exactly how my wife and I do it. And it keeps us, you know, to the, you know, where we can stay grounded in, in our, in the long term. That's great. Well, what I'd like to do next is transfer to the rapid fire round. This is where we okay. find out who Jamie really is. Oh boy. Okay. Yeah. Got some tough questions coming your way. So if you can okay. try to answer each question in 15 seconds or less. Ready? Okay. Got it. All right. What is your favorite podcast? My favorite podcast is The Human Side of Money by Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser. Yeah. Uh, not the Brendan Fraser movie star. This is no, no, different. No, different. Yeah, yeah. Different. <laughs> yeah. Not, not so handsome. Right on. <laughs> Thinking The yeah. Mummy from 1999. Great film. No, no, no. Um, all right. What's a recent book you read and would recommend? 
um, the first 90 days. Okay. I don't know if you've heard of this book or not. It's a, and I have it on my shelf. I forget who wrote it, but, um, it's a book called the first 90 days. And it's all about, um, the first 90 days when you're going into leadership or management, uh, with a corporation and how, nice. you, how you should interact and kind of like observe and, and manage people and, and learn more about them first before you start going in and, and trying to manage their lives. And their I'm immediately adding that to my cart. That great suggestion. I, yeah. I love books like that. Yeah. I think it's the first 90 days. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of checking a peek here. I can't read that far, but I'm pretty sure it's the, the first 90 days. Is the title. I'll check it out. Mm-hmm. All right. What's your favorite movie? Oof. Favorite movie. I'm not really a big movie guy, to be honest. You've got uh, five kids and you don't have a five movie? kids, you know, they're they're because they're all like those Disney movies and stuff like that's That's what we grew up. That's what, probably the last movies that I watched. Um, okay. My wife and I, when we first got together, we used to watch. It's going to sound silly, but we bought a zoo. Oh, right? sure. I know. Yeah, I'm a, I love Matt Damon. I think he's a he's an amazing actor. This was not his finest piece of work. But um, it, when I think about that movie, it reminds me of like the the first time when we got together and we first learned, we learned about sure. each other. And so the times we spent together early on. Good memories. Yeah, there you go. Good association. Yeah. Right. Here's an easy one. What's your favorite food? My favorite food is absolutely Mexican. I can eat Mexican food all day, every day. Every day. There you go. All right. We got some health and wellness questions coming your way. How many hours of sleep do you get? I get at least eight. I'm a big, I'm a big believer in sleep. Even if I'm just laying in bed, just trying to like relax and what have you, just getting rest. That's, I think that's, that's how we can be at our best is by getting enough rest. I don't, I don't believe in this whole, like these, you know, the people are, yeah. Like Trump had only had three hours worth of sleep every night. I'm not buying it. Re- ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> not buying it. All right. Workout regimen. Workout regimen. I am getting back into running. Nice. I'm getting right. back into running. I used to, I used to run seventy miles a week at one point in my life. Wow. Fifty to fifty to seventy miles a week. It's my therapy. It's my zen. It's all those things. And um, the last like three or four years, just because of building the business and you know a new relationship and blended families and all these other dynamics, the, the things that were going on, I kind of put it on the back burner. But um, after this, I'm going to change and I'm going back outside to hit the road. Good for you. All right. Last question here. If you could go back in time to give your younger self advice, what age would you visit and what would you say? Oof. Um, I would say um, I would I would go back to my freshman year in high school and I would say pay attention more. I was not a very good student in high school. I can relate with you. I was not, not a very good student. I, sh- I should have paid much more attention. I think I, I think it would have put me on a much uh, faster track to get to where I am today. And um, I wouldn't have wasted so much time, you know, getting my education later on in life. Because I, I did really well in college. I did amazing in college. But if I would have, if I would have taken that and, and, you know, my earlier self would have used that same, had that same motivation and same attention uh, to, you know, that yeah. I did in college, I would have, I would have been, you know, who knows where I would be. Right, right. Well, this has been awesome. If you could, why don't you share or, or tell the audience where can they reach you? Uh, great, no problem. Uh, so our w- website is is woodsonwm.com, W-O-O-D-S-O-N-W-M.com. And like I said earlier, my clients and, and, and all prospects that we work with can, can just call me on my cell phone. We don't do 800 numbers here. We don't have you know voicemail cues and that type of thing. So my uh, my phone number, if you, anybody wants to text me, can reach out to me there. It's 858 858- Nine two three four five zero zero eight five eight nine two three four five zero zero, and you know my all my contact information is on the website as well. So again, woodsonwm.com. All you can contact me there. I'd, I'd love to to chat uh, with anybody that has any questions about anything we talked about today, and and uh, maybe where we might be able to help in the future. 
you are the first person ever to give their phone number away. Really? Really? <laughs> I'm not shy. This this shows what kind of financial advisory practice we're dealing with. Just a regular yeah. guy. I appreciate that. I appreciate yeah, that. just yeah. down the street looking to help out the average Joe. That's awesome. That's, that's what it's all about, man. I mean, that's like I said at the, at the outset of our conversation, that if whatever I can do to help, you know, and, and maybe earn a living at the same time and everybody wins. I think that's, you know, that's uh, the pinnacle of it. Right. Well, thanks, Jamie. This has been great. Thanks, Sean. Have a great day. We'll see you. Appreciate it. Hey, I just want to say thanks for checking out this podcast. I know your time is valuable and there's a lot of other podcasts out there you could be listening to. So thanks for taking the time to listen to my guest story. If you did enjoy this podcast episode, could you head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review? That would be much appreciated. Thank you. And last but not least, on this podcast, uh, some episodes we do talk about stocks. And please keep in mind, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. So if you did hear any buy or sell recommendations, please don't make those decisions based solely on what you hear. All right. Thanks a lot. See ya. See ya.